Hello, and welcome to Yoga for Latter-day Saints, a podcast where we discuss ways to improve worship using yoga practice. Today, we're going to sutras numbers 20 to 23, and how the teachings in these sutras and from the gospel can help us to become better disciples of Jesus Christ and improve physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. I wanted to begin today with answering a question that I received about what I mean when I talk about practice. So practice is a word that's commonly used in the yoga community, which refers to the regular and consistent engagement in the physical postures, breath work, and meditation as a means of developing physical strength and flexibility, mental clarity and focus, and a greater sense of peace and connection with oneself and the world around us. In some senses, practice can also be synonymous with worship as we can use some of the breathwork, meditation, and mindfulness practices to help us prepare ourselves to achieve a state where we're prepared to receive inspiration from the Holy Ghost. Now, this is actually a pretty timely question as the next few sutras discuss the practice. So, Sutra 20 can be translated as, to those who have not attained enlightenment, practice should be preceded by faith, energy, memory, concentration, and wisdom. And 21 reads, the attainment of deep concentration is nearest for those who are intense in their practice. And then 22 says, even within the range of the three categories of intensity, mild, moderate, and intense, there are further subdivisions based on individual differences. And then 23 says, or by devotion to the Lord. So taken together, the idea is that in order to attain the goals of yoga, practice should include faith and devotion to the Lord, efforts or energy expended in performing the practice at whatever level you can, the ability to not only remember the lessons from the past, but also to be present in the moment, the ability to concentrate and focus, which is more easily obtained with more intense practice, and gaining wisdom and insight through seeing things as they really are. We've already discussed memory and mindfulness in previous episodes, as well as deep concentration when we talked about meditation. We also talked about thinking patterns and how removing our attachments and biases will help us see things as they truly are. So for this episode, I want to focus on improving faith and effort in our practice. So first, faith and devotion to the Lord. By cultivating a sense of devotion or surrender to God, we can transcend our individual ego and connect with a deeper sense of purpose and meaning. Or, going back a few episodes, we can overcome the natural man. This devotion can take many forms, such as prayer, meditation, rituals, or service to others. By engaging in these practices with a sense of devotion and surrender, we can open ourselves up to the transformative power of the Spirit and cultivate a greater sense of inner joy, peace, and fulfillment. Next is expending energy or effort into achieving a goal or pursuing a path. This step is going to be highly influenced by whether we believe that we are capable of changing for the better and having the drive to go through the process of change. There's two psychological concepts that I want to discuss relating to self-improvement. The first is self-efficacy, and the second is the stages of change model developed by psychologists James Prohaska and Carlo Di Clemente. First, self-efficacy is the belief in one's own ability to successfully perform a specific task or achieve a particular goal. 
It's the person's perception of their own competence and capability to carry out a specific behavior or achieve a desired outcome. So self-efficacy is related to, but distinct from self-esteem, which is a more general sense of self-worth. Individuals with high self-efficacy tend to believe that they're capable of overcoming obstacles and achieving their goals, even in the face of challenges or setbacks. They're more likely to take on new tasks and persist in the face of difficulties. On the other hand, individuals with low self-efficacy tend to doubt their abilities and may avoid challenging tasks or give up easily. Self-efficacy is influenced by a variety of factors, including past experiences, social support, and the perceived difficulty of the task or goal. But people can develop their self-efficacy through positive feedback, modeling, and experiencing success in related tasks. The stages of change model is a framework for understanding how we change our behaviors. Now, this model proposes that behavior change is a process that involves moving through a series of stages. So the stages in the model are first, pre-contemplation. So in the stage, we're not yet considering behavior change. We may be aware of the negative consequences of our behavior, or we may feel resistant to the change. Then second is the contemplation stage. Now, in this stage, we're beginning to consider the possibility of behavior change. It might weigh the pros and cons of the current behavior and the benefits of changing. Next is preparation. And in this stage, we've decided to change our behavior and we're making plans to do so. This is where we seek out information, set goals, and take small steps toward behavior change. And then is the action stage. In this stage, we actively change our behavior. So during the action stage, we may use a variety of strategies, such as social support or self-monitoring, to help us maintain this new behavior. And then the fifth is the maintenance stage, and this is where we work to maintain the behavior change over time. You know, there's going to be challenges such as relapse or temptation, but we have to continue to persevere and make progress. And then sixth is the termination stage. In this stage, we've successfully changed our behavior and no longer feel at risk of relapse. So the most important take-home message from this is that you can do it. Self-efficacy can be learned. Behaviors can be changed. If you're not feeling too confident, there are ways to improve. So first, let's talk about the scriptural motivation. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. And then he also said, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. So the average size of a mustard seed is one to two millimeters, and the average size of a mustard plant is about three to six feet high. So under certain circumstances can sometimes grow to 10 or 15 feet high and just as wide. So from something very small can grow something very large. Or as Alma said, behold, I say unto you that by small and simple things are great things brought to pass and small means in many instances doth confound the wise. So we need to start 
where we are and be self-compassionate throughout the process. There will be ups and downs, advances and backsliding, and that's okay. All that's asked of us is that we're putting in our efforts. As discussed, the Bayesian brain theory tells us that the brain's beliefs of the outcomes will be based on previous experiences, which will be heavily influenced by the emotions attached with those experiences. So let's use this to retrain our brain. If you've had difficulty with morning prayer, for example, build a new routine around it. Set aside a specific time and have a plan. Something like, each morning when I get up, I'll go to the bathroom, splash water on my face, kneel down, do a one-minute mindfulness practice, and then say my prayers. And then follow this up with your favorite breakfast or treat. That will program your brain to relate positive experiences with your morning prayer routine so that when you think about getting up and all the things that you have to do, morning prayer won't be a chore but it'll be something that you look forward to because of the positive experiences. So this will not only improve wanting to do it, but it'll allow you to more focus on being present in the moment as it's something you enjoy rather than just another thing to check off the list. Another thing that you do during this process is to set small attainable goals. Now, when setting these goals, we want to make sure that they're SMART. So the, that's an acronym that stands for specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. So as you set these goals throughout the process and meet goals, then that's going to, again, give you that sense of success, which will improve your self-efficacy and help to give you the motivation to continue on in the behavior change process. Before we move into the practice today, I want to emphasize the need for self-compassion. I had a rough week last week and was very limited in what I could perform. So the majority of things were not in my practice. So if you struggle with meeting goals or making changes, don't worry, it's okay. This life is not about the successes, it's about the process and the desires. If something's not in your practice at the moment, don't worry and don't give up. Today, we're gonna do another posture routine, but this one's performed lying on your back. So find a comfortable place where you have some room. And remember, again, if any posture is not in your practice or if you've been told to avoid any of these postures, then please don't push yourself. We're going to start with the half wind release pose. Lie down on your back with your legs extended. Bring your right knee toward your chest and hold it with your hands. Keep the left leg straight on the ground. Hold the pose for a few deep breaths. Now we're gonna move into supine spinal twist pose. So gently twist your right leg toward the ground over the left side of your body, keeping your left leg straight on the ground. Extend your arms out to the sides and turn your head to the right side. Hold the pose for a few deep breaths. Gently release the pose. Now we're gonna do the same thing with the left leg. Bring your left knee toward your chest and hold it with your hands. Keep your right leg straight on the ground and hold this pose for a few deep breaths. Now gently twist your left leg toward the ground over the right side of your body keeping your right leg straight on the ground. 
Extend your arms out to the sides and turn your head to the left side. Hold the pose for a few deep breaths. Now gently release the pose. We're going to move into happy baby pose. So for this, bring your knees toward your chest and grab the outsides of your feet with your hands. Open your knees wider than your torso and bring your elbows to the inside of your knees. Flex your feet and gently push them toward the ceiling. Hold the pose for a few deep breaths and you can gently rock your hips from side to side. Gently release the pose, putting your feet flat on the ground with your knees bent, and we'll move into reclining butterfly pose. Bring the soles of your feet together and let your knees gently fall out to the sides. Rest your arms on the ground beside you, palms facing up. Take a few deep breaths and relax into the pose. And lastly, corpse pose. Straighten your legs, but keep your heels about a foot apart. And now relax your entire body and let go of any tension. Stay in this pose for a few minutes, allowing your mind and body to fully relax. As we finish today, I want to thank you again for listening in and remind you of the words of Amulek in Alma 34:32. For behold, this life is the time for men to prepare to meet God. Yea, behold, the day of this life is the day for men to perform their labors. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to get in touch through the Yoga for LDS Facebook page or email at yoga, the number four, lds at gmail.com. 